Our reading today is from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, John writes, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I don't know how many of you have actually uh, watched the television show, This Is Us, but we got hooked into it for about a, a season, maybe or two, and I found it to be absolutely exhausting. I mean, could more bad things happen, right, to these people uh, than happens to these people? And could they mess things up any worse than they actually do? Which means it's an absolutely accurate description of the modern American family, right? One family therapist was asked, what's the percentage of American families that are dysfunctional? He'd say, he said, I'd shoot for about 96%. (laughs) For the 4% of you out there, please show us the way, right? This is us, though. This is who we are. And um, we are works in progress in the hands of a loving God. And all that we just heard about love is all unachievable on our own. But it's what we aspire to and what God wants for us. And so both in uh, lessons last week in Colossians and also in our lesson today from First John, we uh, hear about this love being at the center of everything. So when we say this is us, we are saying, and we love Because he first loved us. This is us. This is who we are. This is what we're all about. Now, some of you may have grown up in a family where um, you were labeled as a kid. Um, This was a pretty common way of parenting. So if you did something that was lazy, your parents didn't say, that was lazy. They said, you are lazy. If you did something foolish, they didn't say, that was foolish. They said, you are foolish. Or even better, you are a fool. If you made a mistake or a sequence of mistakes, you had trouble learning from your mistakes, um, your parent might gift you with this uh, prediction. You're never going to amount to anything. Lovely, right? And how many have spent lots of money with therapists and self-help books and TV shows trying to overcome those labels, right? Those labels that, that unfortunately stuck somewhere deep inside you and come up again and again. 
Uh, more enlightened parents today, I think maybe kinder, uh, try not to give labels to their kids that way anyway. We have expectations for our kids. So it's shifted a little in how we say it. We don't say a kid's lazy. It's not good for them. We, we might say it a little differently. We'd say, in our family, everybody does their chores. That's what we do in our family. Someone uh, uses foul language and, and, and we stop for a moment and say, in our family, we don't use language like that. Our families, uh, you may have heard that, <laughs> but in our family, this is how we operate. This is us. And, and whatever you um, value, whatever you value, you would, you would then um, encourage the children to understand within the context of that family. It doesn't do any good if you don't do it because you're not really proving the point very well, right? If this is us, then it's got to be you to the very minimum. But if we surround our kids with um, values that we live out, then, then they uh, take them on. They are sponges. And amazingly enough, they'll hold on to those as well as, as some of us held on to those negative labels. They'll hold on to those. This is me. This is who I am. I'm a person that shows kindness. I'm a person that shows responsibility. That is how my family rolled. And that's how I am too. So as we talk about this as us, we're saying um, we know we don't do all these things as a church. But this is who we are. We know we don't love like we should, forgive like we should, care like we should, act like we should. We know we don't do that. We're straight up and honest about that. But we say, this is who we are, though. It's our aspiration. It's God's um, statement to us. This is how we live together. Uh, Paul restates it. Jesus said it often. John says it again. This is who we are. And we picked this series because we are developing a new congregation up in Lantana at our other site. And we started a new service uh, for outreach purposes, a modern style service. And, and we want to start right. We want to say, this is who we are. Welcome to the family here. The family. And this family that we have up here, this is how we roll. We love one another. We love one another. We care about one another. It matters to us to love. Now, some graduations going on in this congregation and all around us, right? And so some graduation speeches are being given, heard, or completely ignored. I don't know uh, if I can remember anything of the ones that I heard. I like some jokes that I have been inserted into those. Dave Barry, always good for some funny perspective. To the graduates today, you have committed the grave tactical blunder of acquiring enough university credits to graduate. Big mistake. So now you're leaving college and embarking on the greatest adventure and the biggest challenge of your young lives, moving back in with your parents. Because <laughs> guess what? How you've been rolling the last four or five or six count them years? You move back into the house. This is how we are in our house, right? Home rules. Home rules. But some uh, people are graduating um, might hear some other advice. And I would have to say on a simple terms, this is good advice if you want to be successful in 
our modern climate. First thing, when you're done with school, stop learning. Don't learn another thing. Stick to what you know, end of story. Second, get rich quick. Third, do whatever it takes. Whatever. Four, look out for number one. And fifth, have a good time. It's a pretty short graduation speech, but does it leave you warm and fuzzy? Aren't those things true in our world? Doesn't it make the most sense to look out for number one? Doesn't it make the most sense to to get rich quick? Doesn't it make sense to do whatever? Isn't it right to do whatever it takes? But for some reason, you're sitting and going, I don't like that speech. I don't like that speech. Why not? Because that's not us, is it? Or at least not us when we're sitting in these pews. It might be very well us when we're out in the world. It's pretty hard not to be because that's the rules of the world. The world's rules, pretty clear. Look out for number one. No one else cares about you. What matters? Get as many toys as you possibly can. What really matters? Have a good time. After all. So this is um, great, great advice for a graduate ready to head out into the world. And it would equal a terrible, terrible life. A ter- what if you follow all this advice? If you follow the path the world would set out for you as a graduate, here's what would happen. You would die ignorant, surrounded by things you can't take with you, Disliked by most people that know you, lonely, and filled with regrets. Rest in peace. And we know those are all true, don't we? The very advice that the world would give would lead to a terrible life. We want a wonderful life, don't we? We want a wonderful life for us, for our graduates. We want a wonderful life. And so what is the advice that we need to have for a wonderful life instead of a terrible life? That's what we get. Last week in Colossians, we heard some wonderful advice. Most of all, let love guide your life. A wonderful life is a life guided by love. It doesn't matter how much you make, how much status you get. It doesn't matter if you become famous or climb the ladder. None of those things will really matter compared to the last thought in your mind, surrounded by the people that love you. I loved and I was loved. There could be nothing better than that. That's the advice our graduates need to hear. That's what we need to be reminded of. We know this to be true. We got to hold on to it. We got to pull it in deep and close because it's so easy to lose this fundamental guiding principle of life, which is love. 
Paul said, you've been raised with Christ. So set your, your hearts on things above. Love is a thing above. It's not something really perfectly known here on earth. But in heaven, the love that we are to aspire to from God. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Today we heard from 1 John. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to, all right? We ought to love one another. After all, this is us. This is us. We're lovers, not haters. We feel very uncomfortable with hate. It, it's awful. We don't like the feeling. Um, unfortunately, um, it is the default approach to life that we are forced to, to work our way through. But it's not us. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. We want to love. We want to be loved. We want to love. This is us. So we were thinking about... Uh, um, way of bringing this together at Lantana, we, we kept thinking about what would be a powerful way to say why we're in Lantana? Why are we here? And, and we came up with the love is why we are here. Love is why we're here. But, but it, it started to blossom from there. It wasn't just love is why we're here in Lantana. It, it occurred to us, of course, love is why we're in Boca, obviously. And it, it's even bigger than that because it helps us understand everything, really. Um, God's love is why we're here. He wanted us to be here. He, he could have stopped creation before us. He didn't. We are the crown of creation, made in his own image to love. So he could love. And we could love in return. And, and make it clear, not forced to love him, blessed to love him. He's never coerced us into loving him yet. He's never manipulated us. He's always given us the freedom. But what he wants most of all would be for us to love in return. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Love is how we are saved, why we are saved. Why we even get to stand here and say, I'm forgiven and free. Where we have any assurance that there will actually be, indeed, someone in the fire standing next to us because of love. And the spirit which is given to us continues to bring God's love through forgiveness, through mercy, through grace, through the reminders of of who we are and whose we are, which is God's. So it, it helps us understand the love that's coming our way, and it helps us understand the love that's going out from us, the love that, that we have that heals. Just like 96% of, of families are dysfunctional, I would say 100% of us are broken in one way, shape, or form. Broken by, by events in our lives, by circumstances, broken by just the, the spirit of this world that seeks to do that to us. And, and isn't it true that love heals. We don't even have to have a medical degree to bring healing to people. We just love. And they experience healing. Love blesses. 
You've all had people in your life that were loving. Maybe last week you celebrated a special one in your life, your mother, who, who in and out of season was there for you, still loving you, despite the things you've done or didn't do. It's a blessing to have loving people in our lives. Love changes everything. Love is why we're here. It's fundamental. It brings it all together. Now, I understand that there's other aspects to the Christian life. and In fact, there's other aspects to well, maybe what other churches focus on. Pastor Dave and I were talking about different focuses for different churches. And there's churches, for example, that focus very much on, on your holiness, developing as a holy person. You know, conforming to God's commandments and, and seeking a holy life. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, but without love, it's a noisy Gong or a clanging cymbal, isn't it? My righteousness, my uh, pursuit of my righteousness um, could be um, the coldest thing around. As you one-up everybody around you by being even holier than they are. Some may seek to enact a love by, by seeking a, a justice in certain ways, in certain forms, in certain locations. And there's nothing wrong with seeking justice. Justice-oriented churches are the reason why we had a civil rights movement, why so much uh, progress has been made of Christianity informing our culture. But without love, justice pursuit can be very belligerent, can very off-putting. It, it, it can break an awful lot of eggs in the process of making that omelet. And so it's love again and again. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. So I am confident that at the heart of nearly every church, love is there, but I love that we bring it up. Up. Because if there's anything that might convince people that, that God is love, it would be people who love. People like you and me. I know it's not easy to love. It's not easy. The world um, makes it hard. My grandmother just passed away uh, recently, and I remember how hard life was for her. Not so hard just because she lived through the depression and they were a relatively poor family and struggled with health issues and things. But hard on her because she lived in a culture um, where uh, no one was allowed to achieve anything. And, and some of you aware of poverty cultures know this is, this is a, a dilemma. It's hard to rise out of poverty because of this. Um, because if you, if you get some education, then you're criticized. You think you're better than us, right? If you get a, a, a promotion, oh, you think you're better than all of us because you got a promotion. So the whole idea is let's keep everybody down. My poor grandmother struggled against that for years. She had a, a wide-ranging passion for life. And, and every time she would pursue a passion, her sisters and her neighbors would, would oh, who does she think she is? So hard. Always seeking to hold her back. It's hard to love people that do that to us. It's hard to love people that, that don't want the best for us. For some of us, uh, today is a very important day. Uh, or rather, I'll say 9 p.m. is a very important hour or so as the Game of Thrones cue music. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 
wraps up. Thank the Lord. I don't think I can take another episode. Um, And maybe those of you who haven't watched it don't want to hear any more about it. But as I was thinking about love, I thought there is no show uh, that I've seen lately that is more convincing about the need for love. It's, it's like nine seasons of people hating each other and killing each other and conniving to kill each other. And I went through the, the, the cheat sheet that I got on a magazine. It reminds me of every character. It takes two pages to just cover the main characters of their pictures and what happened to them. And after everyone is poisoned, strangled, hung, shot, blown up. <laughs> what a world we live in, huh? Game of Thrones is, 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 a, is a, a reflection of how hard it is to love. Everyone on that show is ready to kill each other. But not us. That's not us. It might not be easy to love. It may go against the grain, but hey, we like it. That's who we are, who we want to be who we hope that our kids will be. Lovers, not haters. Sure, it's not easy. Nothing worthwhile ever is. But it's good. It's right to love. And I should remind you, it's not an option. It's a commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. When Jesus was asked about the ten commandments, the Ten Commandments. Boil them down for us, Jesus. Apparently having trouble keeping track of ten. Bring it down simple to us. What did he say? Out of all those things, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's right there. It's not an option. And yet again and again, I find that that people, Christian people, think it is an option. And and usually what they say is, I know this isn't right, but... I'll give you an example. We were, we were talking recently, um, uh, the group of people, and they uh, talking about forgiveness. And I said, you know, one of the things that astounds me, and I'm blessed not to be in this situation, I'm not judging it if you are, but it astounds me at how many people have such severe divisions in their families that they don't talk to certain people in their family. And one guy spoke up right away and says, I'll never talk to my brother again. I'll never talk to him again. Haven't talked to him for 20 years. I'll never talk to him again. And I said, you should not have said never, especially in front of a pastor, because you know what I'm going to do now. You know I'm going to start praying. You know I'm going to start praying that you're going to talk to your brother. You know I'm going to remind you. You know I'm going to push you, encourage you to bury that hatchet. I'm never going to do it. So never say never. When it comes to love, you can have the strongest dam built up, the strongest dam built up, but once a little water starts working its way over the top of that dam, it's only a matter of time. God's love is relentless, reckless, we'll sing in a minute. It just keeps coming, and it's not an option. He will break down those walls, He will. Work love in us, in his people. Be prepared for reconciliation. Be prepared for for being uh, sainted, 
by the people around you, as God loves poor for you, be, through you. Be prepared that people will say, I cannot believe you did that for me. Be prepared because when God loves you and you know he loves you, that love is going to pour through. Like love is going to break down the walls that you think you have inside you. And we need those walls to come down. We need them to come down. It might not be pretty, so let them through. Let them do it. Let them, let them pour through you with, with, without any resistance. One of the dangerous things about me going to Ireland was that I was um, exposed to a whole group of new musical instruments that I don't have. <laughs> or I should say that I don't have yet. So I got home and I was on Facebook Marketplace and what did I see but a, a Bolron drum. It's now at my house. The dogs don't like it at all. And while I was looking for the drum, I found some recorders. You know, those little things they force you to play in third grade. I don't sound very good yet. I don't know about a fiddle. I'm really, really interested in a concertina, but a little pricey. I don't think I'll ever get to the pipes. Why would I care? Each instrument has a sound. Each instrument has an expression. Each instrument um, says something different. Each instrument has a song inside it that just needs to be played. You know, um, the love that will pour through is, is not from us, it's from God. And just as these instruments all sit silent and make no noise of their own, without God, we would make no noise either. But with God, with God's love pouring through us, animating us and giving us life, we can sing some awesome love songs with our life. All with different voices, loud and soft, Melodic, powerful. Each of us is one of the instruments God wants to, wants to play through. He wants, to, he wants the world to hear through us what it means to have a God of love. To love one another. That's why we're here. This is us. Lord, make me an instrument of your love. As I said, John uh, was so blessed to be considered the beloved disciple of Jesus. We don't know a lot about that, but, but we do know that, that, that John was really special to Jesus. And, and so it doesn't surprise me at all that, that John is fixated on love. He had the best experience of love anyone could ever have on this earth, to be loved by your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your friend. He wrote a lot, you know, the Gospels. He's credited with these letters. Very likely the book of Revelation. He had a lot to say, and he lived a lot of years to say it. Toward the end of his life, the disciples were getting a little frustrated with him, the ones that were trying to learn from him. They said, teacher, every time you're getting up for your sermon, you're just 
You're just saying these words. You're just saying little children love one another. Little children love one another. Can't, can't you be more profound, more interesting? Can't you have more to say than just that? And John said, I say this because it's the Lord's commandment. And if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. Pastor Rich used to say when someone said to him after a sermon, that's a good sermon, Pastor Rich. You remember what he would say? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Will you leave more ready to love than before? I can't take any credit for that. It's the Spirit that's going to do that. But, but can we be known? Because I'm going to tell you that there's all sorts of things we could be as a church, as people of God, but there's nothing better, nothing better than to be known for love. It's more than enough. More than enough. And the band come on up and share one of the most beautiful new songs that talk about the power of God's love. Reckless. There's some people that won't do this song. Have you heard that? Because they say it's, it's wrong to say that God is reckless. You know, it's kind of criticism. Um, I don't think so. I think it's pretty obvious how reckless he is with loving people like us.